Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Deadlines New Hollywood Podcast. I am Dino Ray Ramos. And I'm Amanda Nduka. And for this episode, we have a the creator, writer, and showrunner of a new Amazon anthology series, Them, Little Marvin. Yes, Them. Yes. Them. <laughs> them. <laughs> yes. Okay, so, first of all, it's, it's, it, it is a horror Right. right, like horror thrillers. There's a lot going on, guys. Yeah, so it's about, it's a basically, it takes place in, in like during the Great Migration. And it's about this family, this black family who moves into an all white neighborhood of Compton, California, which is, like I said, like we mentioned in the podcast. <laughs> which is shocking. That, a Compton that we are, we're not too familiar with or a Compton that we don't see today, but it's, it's really, really interesting. So basically the family, this black family is, moving to moving into um this white neighborhood it's at the height of you know well i guess i don't know when racism wasn't at its height well, it was like the 50s it was in the, the, 50s. the, the, the 50s so it was like yeah. it was definitely a, a very highly charged racial period and you have this black family moving into an all-white neighborhood obviously the neighbors aren't going to like it and so the show sort of the show as little marvin put it it sort of it sort of examines the horrors of the outside, your neighbors, and also there's there's something going on in the house yeah. too that that yeah that we we don't know about and that is sort of brewing. So yeah, you, it's yeah. it's a very interesting concept. Um, I'm loving this this horror sci-fi genre with black families in the in the in the center of it. I'm all for it. We were huge fans of Lovecraft count, uh, Country, which literally blew uh, my blew me yeah. away yeah get yeah. out uh, so but don't get it twisted this is not the same <laughs> it's guys. not the same it is definitely not the same narrative you know it is a, a totally different it's a totally new narrative yeah like he unpacks it very well and like kind of what he wanted right. to do with the show what topics he wanted to cover like the cast is fucking amazing and it is just i think just a great you know a, a great television anthology series yeah right yeah Yeah. so there you go yeah so it it premieres april 9th so it's going to premiere this this, the friday this friday this Um, friday so yeah. I encourage everybody to watch it. Um, Little Marvin. I feel on like Amazon, guys. On Amazon, yes. But I feel like there's going to be so many great things coming for him. I feel like he's, he's a great new voice to add to our this um, our plethora of Black voices that are doing great things for Black narratives. And I, and I know he's going to put his stamp on it. So without further ado, here is Little Marvin. Little Marvin, welcome to Deadline's New Hollywood Podcast. Thank you so much for being here, for doing this. Um, yes. So, we have a lot to unpack. Yes. So writer, <laughs> creator of this this new um, Amazon anthology series called Them. We will get to that in a little bit, but we like to sort of open this conversation of getting to know a little bit about you and about your background and sort of like what inspires you to get into this business. Um, so. So what, where did you get your, 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 your penchant for creating and, and sort of what, what about your own identity and upbringing influenced your, yeah, I mean, I, I've been obsessed with television since I was born, (laughs) basically, uh, TV was like an event in my house, which is very sad and probably why I'm in therapy, but it's true. Like some of my best memories were like watching TV with my mom. You guys are way too young, but like it was me and my mom watching Dynasty or me and my mom watching Dallas. You only know the reboots. But these were actual shows. Okay, so like, <laughs> you know, 
I know exactly because, you know, people don't know that I'm, she's 41, y'all. So I'm like, she, you? <laughs> girl, what? Yeah. what? I hear you. Okay. You actually <laughs> do it. know. So Knott's Landing, yeah. Falcon Crest, I'll name them all. Yeah. <laughs> Crystal <laughs> Carrington. <laughs> We yes, Alexis. But like TV was an event yeah. and I just, I've loved it. I had my molecules rearranged by great TV shows my entire life. And I, it was always a dream for me. Uh, but um, as you get older and you begin to kind of get focused on just surviving <laughs> your life, that dream can feel a million miles mm -hmm. away. Right. And, uh, and so I wanted this in my 20s and I really, I made a go for it. But the thing about it in my 20s, like when the going got tough, I would just run, like I'd be like, bye. Like, I, 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 <laughs> but then you realize when you turn around <laughs> a few decades later, when the going gets tough, that's just the beginning. Like that's just day number one on the job yeah, and right. the going never gets any easier and you learn to just motor through it. And so it took me many years to kind of come to that uh, understanding, but I'm glad that I did. But yes. What, what, was, what was the project or the TV show that you first sort of saw yourself in? Would you say? I mean, Dynasty, when, um, when, <laughs> when Diane Carroll arrived on the scene, sorry. It was a moment. That was, was a, a moment. moment. Because she was like, she was gorgeous. <laughs> I didn't see myself, but I was just like, that is what, she, that she was gorgeous. Yeah, she yeah. was sophisticated. She was all that, she was a bitch, which I just loved. Like, it was like all these things, but you had What's that? What, there's that, there's that one clip that was circulating for a while when like Alexis gives her shampoo yes. and she's all, this is yes. funny. <laughs> yes. The best, but like, that's like the earliest, you know, my mom says she has, my mom has a distinct memory of me, like, um, staring at the Stepford Wives, just obsessed with, I think this was precognition. I was probably an infant or a toddler, just like obsessed with the Stepford Wives, which totally tracks by the yeah. way. Uh, and also mom, your son is gay. Wait, wait, who, who directed the uh, original? Never the, the director, I, I'm uh, blanking on the director. But, yeah, but, but that, that movie was bought. That movie was. Yeah. So anyway, but there were too something. many things. I mean, there, yeah. there were lots of things that I, I, but also lots of things I didn't see myself in. If I'm being honest. That was even more, right. um, yeah. more to the point. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Isn't that like kind of, that kind of yeah. contributes to it, right? Like uh, uh, what we don't see, it kind of, it kind of sculpts our upbringing and stuff. I mean, I remember seeing data. Uh, uh, Kihu Kwan on the Goonies for the first time. And that's when I was like, oh, can we talk, can we, kind of can we like talk about me, that particular you know, example? Because like, literally back in the day, we used to all play the Goonies. And that was just the thing we would all play as kids. And I would always be like, oh. I guess I'm data because there's no <laughs> So I would just like by proxy just pick him because I'm like, okay, it's adjacent. Uh, but that's the that's the truth. Like it matters. And it and and I never, especially in horror, because I was a horror buff since I was a kid, I never saw folks who look like me or my family or anyone I knew in the things that I loved. And that does shift the way you think about yeah. the things that you love. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Goonies is like my all-time fave movie so yeah i always go to that um yeah well speaking of horror you have your 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 series this episode is coming out a couple days before so the series will be will be on okay. by the time okay. this episode yeah yeah, yeah yeah so everybody yeah. check it out yeah yeah, yeah. ignore my weird faces <laughs> um, uh, uh but yeah so like 
first off, you know, there is a, like, I've only seen, I saw the first three episodes. Uh, I don't know how many, how many have you seen, Amanda? I've Did seen you? the first two. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, it's a journey. Let's just yeah. let's just let's just start there. But first off, where did kind of this idea? Uh, I think it was a number of things. Uh, it was it was honestly just me grappling very first and foremost with my own fears and my own anxieties and my own sort of dread and rage, frankly, about the country, about where we are, um, about what we've been, um, about how far we've come and how far we have not come. Um, and so I was grappling with a lot of that personally. Uh, and I was thinking a lot about the American dream. The past four years has got me thinking about who actually gets their keys to that and who does not. Um, and so by, by focusing on the American mm. dream, I knew I wanted to tell a home ownership story because there's nothing more emblematic to me of the American dream than owning your own house, right? But particularly for Black folks, it's been nothing but a nightmare uh, since the dawn of the real estate market and all the way back. Um, yeah. so, so those were the sort of the, the threads that came together in my mind, I think, to create the show. Yeah. I, I remember you saying that like because I spoke to you for South by and I remember you saying that you um you were the, the it was a couple years back that you would wake up and see all these bad things happening to black people every day and that sort of like sparked the idea and that's sort of what we're we're quick we're continuing to see today right like we're in the midst of George Floyd's um trial and hearing all these things come out it's just it's it's just it's just crazy. So for you, just how is it just, you know, having all these years go by and still experiencing that kind of this kind of like dread that we, we we're still experiencing? Like what does that do for you and sort of your your creative, I guess? I have um, to say it's it's exhausting. I mean it's 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 exhausting. It was exhausting, you know, four years ago when I was waking up to video after video after video. It's exhausting now. Um I think what it does in a way though is um, it, it validates this journey because I set out to make a show that grappled mm. with the trauma at the heart of this country and the terror at the heart of this country. And frankly, it's, it's, it's validating in the worst way. I mean, it's really sobering to say that because it's not like it's a win. <laughs> the sad part is as a creator, you wish the things you were making, especially like this, were not relevant. But unfortunately, it becomes more and more relevant every mm. single year. Um, so it's sobering, it's humbling, but at the, mm -hmm. at the same time, I feel like um, there's no other story I would want to tell during this time than the story I'm telling. So, yeah. Yeah, it, yeah, it just, you know, I, I think about George Floyd, Breonna Taylor. I think of all the trans people of color getting killed. I think of what's going on right now with the Asian community. Um, like, yeah, 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 things like this, I mean, I don't want to call like the trauma Olympics, as everyone says, you know, uh, you know, there is this shared trauma amongst yep. marginalized peoples. Right. And uh, it, it's it's also like for it, it's weird for me to say this, but like, you know, when I saw George, when we were going through George Floyd uh, last year and seeing my black friends kind of go through this, it's like and then yeah. I felt it to a certain extent. But now that it's happening to my community, I feel it, feel it like tenfold. And I'm like, oh, oh, now I see even more. Like my eyes are even more open. And I think what them is interesting is like, you could replace the black family there with an Asian family. It will be a different story, but it will be the same 
kind it, of it, it's absolutely know, true. That I, you know, I have a black father whose whose mm -hmm. family migrated from Alabama to Massachusetts during this time, but I have an Indian mother. I have a South Asian mother who immigrated who immigrated to this country. Oh, nice. I am Kamala Harris. <laughs> I'm not. There you I'm, go. I'm really not. I'm really not. But, 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 but that <laughs> right. is the combo. And, and I have to say, like, the interesting thing about that is, although the obviously the experiences are wildly divergent and absolutely unique and varied in their own way, what I did find is that there are some commonalities, you know, in both cases, you've got folks who are trying to fight for their stake in the American dream. They're coming for opportunity. They're coming for education. They're coming for work. The difference is, is that Black folks have had to fight for these opportunities within the boundaries of their own country. And we've had to do it from the beginning. So that's the unique right. piece of it. But yes, there are commonalities. There are so many folks I could have put at the heart of this story, because frankly, they didn't want any of us living in these neighborhoods, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it, it's just you know, like seeing this. It's just like, luckily, what you know, when uh, I'm from originally from Texas, like Amanda and I are both from Texas. We didn't know each other back then, but we're both from Texas. Uh, but like when we moved into our very suburban neighborhood, it, like we didn't feel it because it's like San Antonio is a very Latino-oriented place, and. But like seeing something like this, I couldn't imagine, you know, how it would be. But, you know, telling this story, you know, this is you know, your, your first kind of big project out, right? Uh, I mean, of course, there's that initial excitement. But like after that initial excitement, when this was greenlit and it was going, you know, it was getting made, were you like, oh, shit. I, have to I, do I, I don't even think there was excitement. There was just <laughs> sheer terror from the minute. <laughs> It was only terror yeah. from the minute it was greenlit. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, like, yes, you're kind of part of you is like, I didn't mean it. Like, oh my God. <laughs> uh, yeah. It, it's a terrifying work. proposition. I think the only thing that, because the job is just tough. I mean, any showrunner will tell you. And I came into, yeah. I mean, literally, I'm a showrunner, executive producer, writer on my first stab. I'd never been in a writer's room. I'd never worked for somebody else's shows. I'd never done any of the stuff that you're supposed to do. I'm doing air quotes around it for people who wow. can't see me. But all yeah. of the journey that you're supposed to have, I have none <laughs> yeah. of that. So of course I was terrified. I think the only thing that would get me through on the days where I was like, oh shit, would be to remember why I started. You know, I wanted this show to be a love letter mm. to every family who had had to endure these sorts of threats and terror tactics. I wanted to just honor them. So giving that respect and just allowing myself to kind of forget myself and do it in service of the folks who came before, that would help me get through on the days where I'm like, they're going to fire me for sure. <laughs> Which is always what you feel. <laughs> Yeah, how did how did Lena how did Lena wait? Um, uh, well, I have, we have to give props to Miri Yoon um, at Vertigo Entertainment who uh, brought us together. It's interesting because mm -hmm. when I wrote the script, this is before anybody gave a shit about this at all. Um, I like to like write little notes to myself in my phone about like what I want, and so I wrote the script and then I wrote into my phone from executive producer Lena Waith, them, and then I was like, let me, wow. and I forgot all about it. Then cut to eight months later, Miri Yoon's attached and she's like, so who do you want to bring in as your collaborator? And I did it almost like a dare. I'm like, Lena Waithe, just to see like, what you going to do about it was basically my my energy. And Miri was like, hold please. And three days later, she's like, All right. I kid you not, this is Miri Yoon. This is like straight up, like she's just a ninja, the best. And like three days later, she's like, you're having brunch with uh, with with Lena. And I sat down with 
<laughs> the only brunch I will ever go to, by the way. The only... <laughs> I hate brunch, but I went to that brunch. Wow. Oh my gosh, how do you hate brunch? I, you I, know, I don't want to leave my house. I don't want to leave my house for shit. Um, I can't wait to go back to telling people I'm going to show up for brunch and still not come. <laughs> and then don't not go. I mean, like, the only thing brunch is, is basically avocados on top with eggs and <laughs> yeah honestly it, it, and, some, and some mimosa honestly that's about it have a mimosa all day so i so really i sat with lena and she um, instantly yeah. you felt what what you've heard because i'd heard you know i've heard she's a champion i've heard she champions black writers i've heard she champions new talent and you hear all that you read all that and then you sit with her and within two seconds flat i i, I have chills because it was like we were making the show together from that first brunch she treated and she had no reason to know anything about how I would be, but she was, uh, yeah, she is, she walks the walk. I love yeah, that. That's manifestation. A vision works like all day, man. You're going to have them. And Lena has a podcast too. So yeah, yeah, she's been, she's been great. Um, I have to say that I'm, I'm loving all these black narratives what framed in the sort of sci-fi horror I did genre. Not. Did you watch Lovecraft? Okay. Okay. Yeah. We, we, um, I watched, I, I loved Lovecraft and I just loved seeing this black narrative in, in, in like mixed in with sci-fi mixed in with horror. It was just, and then this show is, is, is the same thing. And it's just so intriguing. Um, um, so, and, and, and it's sort of in itself, like becoming its own genre, right? Like, so why do you think that this sort of genre has helped bolster real life, the, the real life experience of, of black people, um, I mean, in America, because that's the only ones that I've seen. But how do you think this genre has really helped sort of like, I guess, really yeah. give people an idea of what, of what we've I mean, I think the, the thing about horror that I've through. always loved is that it's always had a really amazing way of uh, grappling with super complex issues, social issues, but wrapping it in a bow that you actually want to watch as opposed to not want to watch. I mean, I think back to The Exorcist. The Exorcist is one of my favorite films of all time. One of the scariest that's scared the scariest film of, of all time <laughs> but like it's also a movie that grapples yeah. with faith and it's grappling with you know uh is god real and what does this mean and do we believe and it was grappling with you know um interpersonal dynamics between a mother and a daughter and so like night of living dead by casting a black man in that movie it had this racial undertone to it that was unavoidable and inescapable and so forever horror has always been that place i think now for for us it's it's become just a you know, I think I, I always think that a haunted country deserves haunted stories. And so we're not going to be the front of the, the last. There are going to be a wave, I think, of folks. And I, I welcome it. A wave of folks coming in from all um, marginalized groups, by the way, because we have a lot of work to do across the board, yeah. uh, leveling the playing field within the space. Right. Yeah. 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 I, I remember... I remember like the only class that I loved during college or one of the only ones was like women oh, wow. and minorities in mass media. And we did a whole week on uh, oh, wow. the slasher genre. Oh, that's and the only I class I would take. So that's much okay. about like- What school did you go to? <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. I went to Texas A&M. Surprisingly, when I went, <laughs> it was 88% white. Let's say that. <laughs> um, but- it was interesting because like I learned so much. They were like, oh, the, the heroine is often a, a female, but they have a very uh -huh. masculine name. Like if you look at, we, we looked at Scream and her the name, or, you know, yeah. Campbell's name was Sydney. 
and always the weapon yeah. is something that pierces or you know yeah, like obviously <laughs> phallic and you know it's there, we, i was just like gagging and in, in, in terms of like what that you know what the horror genre it, is it's deceptively like deep the shit right i mean it is and i think because it but because mm -hmm. it's fun you don't it doesn't feel like medicine that's the thing i love about it yeah right right yeah that's a good point um so so this in this in this uh, uh series we have a black family migrating to los angeles to um to compton and we talked about this before and i thought it was so interesting that you chose compton because you show a compton that no like none of us are familiar yes. with <laughs> right um so so can you just what what went into the decision? I know I know you said you were sort of it could have been anywhere, but but what did you why did you specifically choose Compton again? Literally because people because I was know, the first different... like, I was the first benefactor in my own life okay. of going like well, wait what like I never knew I was the first WAP I never knew and I knew if I didn't yeah. know there are bound to be other people who did not know that I mean here is this place that is I think it it occupies a very kind of um, iconically black place in the imagination pop culturally culturally musically what have you so to think that 60 70 years back it was not the case at all was a huge shock for me um and, and you want you want a wow i never knew at the heart of the story and so so i knew it was home instantly yeah yeah and then and then you sort of you sort of um we talked about this too like how you examine this the horror that's outside of your home versus the the horror that's in your home because there's there's something brewing in this house that from the first two episodes we don't know yet but obviously we know um something is 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 happening why did you decide to frame it that way and, and sort of explore these two different um, um these two I, different well things? I'm a huge scaredy cat just in life. Like there was, <laughs> there was a blackout last week in our neighborhood and I was like literally with 15 flashlights. Like I can give myself nightmares about absolutely anything. Uh, and so like, yes, there's a sound in the basement that is terrifying. And that's always been a thing since I was a kid that will terrify me. But as I grow older, like I realized it's the human component that's even scarier. Like it's that neighbor who's down the street who's been sort of waving at you and staring at your place for longer than they should that I have found in my own experiences are far more frightening than that sound in the basement. And so for me, it was really, it was less about almost a balance between the two, but more about making sure that the horrors were really rooted in the emotional and the psychological complexity of the characters, and then letting the sort of the scares kind of burble up from there. Uh, we wanted to make a very human horror story first. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely felt that. And can I just say that? Yeah. Allison Pill is like the final, the final boss, the final boss of all parents. Yeah, <laughs> she is. Like there, there, there is something so frightening about her. Uh, uh, like it's like <laughs> I don't want to deal with that. <laughs> like, yeah. She's like, she's like, she's like all can I yeah. times the ultimate <laughs> manager? Yes, she. <laughs> The funny part yes. is, like, Allison, Allison is like the sweetest I mean, like, Canadian, like, lovely, the sweetest well, person you'll ever meet, she but she's be. terrifying. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it was speaking to her, like, in the first three episodes, they're just, I was waiting, you know, all of this is expected. There's a lot of triggering moments, like, very triggering. And even now, in this space where the Black community specifically, kind of these emotions and these feelings are so raw and they haven't healed. I don't even think they ever have healed, but you know, 
you know, and like you navigating these moments, you know, that are, are, are destined to be like topics of discussion and divisive among communities. Like, how did you want to dive into this? Did you want to dive into it like all shove it in your face, this is how it really is? Or were you like kind of handling it with kid gloves? Like how strategic were you in terms of doing these triggering moments that, you know, it, it's they're destined to kind of spark this like feeling of, for some people, PTSD, for some people, you know, like, oh, oh shit, I don't want to watch this. Because it's, it's gonna be much. a debate, like, yeah. Yeah, cause like, like for, for example, like this morning I, there is this, like I've been avoiding putting up those videos of Asian people getting beat up because I'm like, oh, like it's kind of trauma, right? People, and then same with a lot of the black community with these uh, these uh, men and women who are being beaten. And, but I'm like, oh, I personally, I was just like, yeah. I can't post these. But yeah. then I'm like, oh no, I have to. But like, that's how it, I was thinking, but how- To be honest like, with you, how, it how wasn't you really strategic at all. Way back when at the very beginning of this process, like I start mm -hmm. by writing the thing I need. I don't think about an audience at all, which mm -hmm. might be to my detriment, but I, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what would come from me thinking about what the audience's reaction is going to be. I think that's just the, the surest way to create crap is to, just to try to second guess what people are going to want. And so actually what I was doing first and foremost was an exorcism for myself. Like I had pain I was grappling with, trauma I was grappling with, fears I was grappling with, insecurities I was grappling with, desires I was grappling with, which all of our four characters in the show have their own journey. Those were deeply personal. And so I wrote the show I needed, right? First, with the hope being that on the other end of this, there's someone else out there who needed, needs to see this too. Um, and I also think that horror has always grappled with trauma. I mean, again, I'm gonna go back to the Mac Daddy, the exorcist. If that is not one of the most traumatizing and triggering experiences you've ever seen, I don't know what is. I mean, there are things that happen in that movie that to this day, I'm like, how the fuck <laughs> did anyone get away with this? But like, so so trauma is part and parcel of actual horror. It has been forever. Carrie is another example. There's trauma all up and down Carrie. Um, yeah. So, you know, people, how people come to that and how people experience that is honestly beyond me. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, that makes sense, yeah. It's kind yeah. of like you give it to us. You're like, you give us a gift. It's like your choice to kind yeah. of what you do yeah. with it in, in this yeah. interesting way. Yeah. That's kind of scary though. Like just to think about, you know, <laughs> like just but it, it, I, yeah. doing but what I was wasn't scary kind of like, until you just said that. So <laughs> <laughs> I actually was not scared at all. And now you're like, you should be terrified. I was really in my head, I'm like, no, but honestly, I'm like in my head. I'm like, oh my god, he's so brave because that was I mean, so scary to me. <laughs> and, I, and I just said, well, it's like, I think that, the, isn't I, that what I think is? so. Like, I mean, yeah, I think yeah. the best art throughout time is always sort of. I mean, I think about a movie yeah. like Do the Right Thing back when I was a kid. Do the Right Thing was a movie. Mm -hmm. I remember how I can't even count how many times I went back to the theater to watch that movie because here was something that was so ferociously political and that was so in your face that pulled no punches and that was cinematically gorgeous. And it was a piece of art. Like, I don't believe that pop mm. art and politics have to be separate. I actually think they can be one and the same and they can be done beautifully. Um, and I will say this too, there was never a choice made in the writer's room, not once, that was made for the sake of being controversial or to push buttons. We never were like, ooh, like what would be provocative? Never. It was always what is the most true and what terrifies us. And typically those two things were one and the same, you know, and then we knew we had to explore that. Yeah. Mm -mm. Wow. 
Wow. Yeah, and it, it, it's just interesting because like, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of artists out there who's like, oh, I don't give a fuck of what they think. I'm gonna do what I do. But it's, but there's also this balance you have to strike, right? It's like, oh, it can't be so all about, you know, you or, or whatever, but it, it, it kind of, but it, but with them, it speaks to what's going on. And it's kind of like, oh, you already know all of what's going on. It's like, all so don't complain in this interesting yeah. way. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, they're like, you know, we mentioned Lovecraft, we mentioned, you know, there's, there, there, there's us, there's all these, these films about, you know, similar narratives in terms of, but like similar narratives, but not the same, oh, something like mm -hmm. that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, what made you, can, were you striving to do, or how did you want to make- Never, never thought about it. Or, never thought, or, and I have to call this out too, <laughs> even yeah. in terms of the similar narrative, I just have to call it out because they are wildly divergent. The only thing that makes them similar yeah. is that black folks center the story. That is it. Anyone who has ever yeah. watched our show and actually watched our show has never once said, this is like us. But folks who never, never, but folks who yeah. never <laughs> saw the show um, have had lots of opinions <laughs> before seeing the show. You know, but it's like, no, 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 yeah. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't hang out it's not for me to know. I honestly like Twitter to me is this. I won't even give that that energy, but like what I will say is I look forward to a day where because here's the thing, every day 150 shows that center white folks come out and they all look pretty much interchangeable to me. I but no one ever but no one ever says it. No one ever is like, oh, but what about this? What about the five thousand movies that look like The Conjuring that come out every day? No one says it. But four black things in four years come out, and it's like pitting them against each other. I look forward to a day where that is yeah. not a conversation because there are so many of us in the sandbox playing that we don't have to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, I and I think that's also the importance of letting people yeah. tell their stories, right? Like you know, allowing people into the space because yes, there is a huge problem in Hollywood. It's no secret that, you know, they want to whitewash things or, and I think, you know, I, I'm glad that you said that, you know, uh, kind of, you know, put me in a, a different headspace in terms of like all, yeah, it's like, there is us, there is Lovecraft, but when I was watching those three episodes of them, I was just, it, it was like nothing I've ever seen before, except like they were just black characters, you know? And, uh, but, um, and cause I was like, oh, this is making me feel weird. <laughs> I was like, good. I, was I mean, I, I won't say that wasn't the intention. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 like weird in a like kind of like a, a fearful way. Like I was okay. like, I was on, it takes a lot for me to get invested these days because all I watch these days, Amanda could attest, <laughs> is Top Chef and RuPaul's Drag Race and anything. Honestly, more. to be fair, so, the, to be so fair, the entire time I was attention. making the show, the only thing I was watching was the Great British Bake Off. That's oh yeah, <laughs> well, that kind to. of like is a salve, right? To kind you of have like, to. Oh, nothing okay. is more nothing is more um, calming than watching a bunch of Brits. <laughs> They're, and they're so, so nice to they're each lovely. other and they help each other. <laughs> so I have to ask you, Lamarvin, since um, Dino says, you know, he felt he felt a little weird. Can we put that on the <laughs> billboard though? Like, a, I felt for... a little weird. Dino. <laughs> I, <feel> I, <laughs> <love that. laughs> 
<laughs> and maybe put a little, and then put my face like this. Yeah. <laughs> but what are you? What are you most excited for people to see when the, when the show? Man, I, I don't know. I I I I think what I'm really feeling is humbled by this entire experience. It's that's all I'm feeling. Mm. Immense gratitude. I know I've wanted this kind of thing my entire life, and so to have it to have it at this level, to see Amazon sort of putting it out in, across the world, it's actually just so humbling. <laughs> like, and I'm, I've got so much gratitude uh, that there's really no other feeling. It's really And they have, there's so much confidence behind it, right? Already got a second season. Like this is, this is, this is gonna be great. And I'm so, I'm so happy for you. I'm so happy that you said like, the fact that you came to this with not not going through the traditional routes, I think could be so inspiring for so many people who think that the only way to make it in Hollywood is if you do this A, B, and C. And that's that, that's not the case. And I think we're seeing that more and more, especially with people of color. We're seeing that more different ways, different routes. It, it takes a long time. It's not, it, it, it's it's not, not easy. easy yeah. anyway, but I'm glad well, thank you. everyone has yeah, a Yeah, that's absolutely true. And I think yeah. there, there's a tendency, right, to listen to other people, to listen to people's journeys, to see other people's journeys and think that that's going to be yours. That's why when people ask me, like, how did you do? I, I, I'm, I almost don't want to say because it's just because it's so unique and it's going to be unique for me. But I think the one thing that I would say right. about that is like, you never know how your life is setting you up for something in ways that you could never imagine. Right. So like the last 10 years of my life as a creative yeah. director and yeah. as an executive, I, I was doing all these things that I never could have known. It, it feels like a mess when you're going through it. I'm like, my life's just a mess. I have no clue what the fuck's happening. You turn around and then you're show running a show and you find yourself using a muscle that you had achieved in another lifetime. And you're like, oh shit. Like, so mm. my life hasn't been a joke. This is great. <laughs> and that's so that's what I tell people, like, you never, yeah. it doesn't matter what you're doing. There is something to be learned. There is a gift that you're being given in every opportunity just to crew those gifts and keep your eye on the prize uh, and allow yourself to be surprised by that, you yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm that. glad you said all of that just because it's like, just because you didn't come through the traditional route of like all... You weren't like a writer's assistant and then you moved your way up to story editor and all this stuff. And you dealt with doesn't like mean that, you that maybe yeah. were inappropriate. I mean, in, an, in, an, in another <laughs> life, maybe. But like, <laughs> like, right. Yeah. But like, right. just yes. because you didn't go the traditional route doesn't mean you didn't cut your teeth and pay your dues and, and, and work your ass off to get to where you are. You well, listen, some of us are doing, I mean, most of us, yeah. right, are doing yeah. our 10,000 hours in private. No, it's it's outside. You're doing your ten thousand hours in yes. your own little apartment where nobody's looking, nobody gives a shit. I would come back from work every night uh, in my old life with usually with like a few bottles of wine, and I would flip open my laptop on my little kitchenette <laughs> counter, and I would watch every YouTube showrunner roundtable I could get my hand. Uh, the Hollywood Reporter does a showrunner roundtable. The these panels and creator panels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would sit there like a freak. I would take notes. I'm like, okay, so Shonda says she does this and Ryan Murphy likes to do that. And Vince Gilligan does this kind of like a serial killer. It's a little weird when you think about it now. I'm like, that was weird. Yeah, no, but it's, it's, a, it's yep. kind of like you, you, you crafted your own masterclass. Yeah, like you kind were. Of this. Yeah, you were sculpting your own world. You were, you, were, you, were, you were preparing yourself for what you wanted. So I think that's mm. very admirable. I think it's inspirational. And I, I hope that people that listen to this can also be inspired if, if you know, they, they want to come into this business and they don't, they don't see 
a, a, a for sure, you know, a, a, I guess a clear way. way. There's always a way. There's always know? a way. Don't like, listen to other people. Way. Turn off Instagram so, every now and again and just kind of be literally and be with your own self. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's a gift in yeah. that. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Um, so what's, what's next for you? So I mentioned season two, but what, is there anything else that you're, you're working no. on that you can talk about uh, today? Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. So let me ask you this. Is there something that you are, that you haven't done yet that you are really, really, I mean, I just, I, listen, I, I mean, you know, this is called new Hollywood, right? <laughs> so I, I'm new. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and, and and I just did this. And so right now I'm in a place of honestly, again, yeah, just kind of taking in this and 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 continuing to build from this and and to take the learnings that I I there was so much so much an education. This entire last three years has been an education. So now I just want to continue to build on that education. Um, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, come April 9th, people are going to come knocking on your door. I guarantee it. I don't know if that's good. My mailbox (laughs) would blow up too. And it might not be in a good way. (laughs) I got it. I go up in in a good way. Like people are going to be like. (laughs) Yeah, not in a. Yeah. Don't be surprised if Marvel comes calling and says, hey, can you direct Uh, this? Can DC comes calling? Can you direct this? We're speaking back with you guys more often. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) okay so we like to wrap up um this session with the fact we call it it's a we call it's a segment we call the facts or the faqs just sort of fun questions um so you mentioned you know obviously about we talked about trauma a lot and um um, in this project but what has been your your and obviously like going through like the the pandemic and everything that's been going on in our in our world right now what has been your self-care routine during the past oh, wow. year oh and a half gosh. Mm, i think if anything just allowing myself to be kinder to myself <laughs> like you know you can tend mm, to be okay. um so fixated on everything you're doing and can and just uh, you can throttle yourself frankly by just being so uh, and i i think that this year the opportunity to sort of slow down and to take stock, to be grateful, to like turn inward and like look at my life with gratitude, and and was was you know that I think. Yeah, yeah, that's important. Yeah, I think yeah. that's just great. That is good. Yeah. It is so hard, especially in this industry, to be kind to yourself. <laughs> it's like yeah. you you need to be. You need to force yourself to be all. Hey, it's okay yeah. that you didn't do this. You know. Take a rest. Rejected. Watch <laughs> Drag Race. <laughs> you know. I mean, any excuse to watch Drag Race. Let's just be. I don't need any excuse to watch Drag Race. Oh, yeah. okay. watch Drag Race. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, so you are I'm watching? I'm not watching season, anything right? now. Watching I will go back and watch all of it. Uh, okay. Here. Well, this season, it's a it's uh, a quarantine. They filmed it during quarantine, <laughs> so it's an interesting season. I'll tell you that much. Okay. Anyways. Speaking to that, what is the trashiest reality show you watch? That's or hilarious. Have watched? The trash. <laughs> I mean, I definitely went through a Kardashian phase. I did. <laughs> I, it was actually during quarantine, at the beginning of quarantine. I was like, what's this yeah. tab in Hulu? And I, like, and I literally, 14 hours later, I'm like, what am I still doing here? Wow. It's, uh, yes. So that would probably be fun. 
Yeah, there. Yeah, there. I, I, I put it. I was just. I just had it. It just came on the TV the other day, and I just started. And I left it on, and I kept on watching. I'm like, can't look away. Why am I still watching away. this? <laughs> I, it is. No, I, I, I don't. I have not watched. I think for that reason, because well, I know that I will be sucked in. You know, like you know, that. you know the one that I've gotten into recently. Um, married at first sight. You're braver. You're braver than me. I've only heard about that. <laughs> Oh, I'm like, why? <laughs> Where has this been all my life? It is, it is so good, you guys. It is so. Trash. I did watch like I started. Like, <laughs> I don't even know what Robert, that is. And I was what? Just, like, you okay. made that up. You made that up. What is that? Yeah, we, we like we like to watch. What? Yeah, that's a that's a thing. I've heard of that one. <laughs> it's okay. <I> <laughs> <laughs> and then there's like then there's like 90 day fiance which i was just like okay there's a lot that one yeah that one that one, I've done, i started doing um first like married at first you guys could married. literally be making up titles right now and i would have no idea we like our reality tv yes it's crazy okay so what is your number In one life? Yeah, oh, yes. oh, lateness. That's number okay. one. Oh. Yeah. But, but we're all people uh, of speak color. Speak for yourself. Speak for yourself. <laughs> my mom, no. My mama raised me to get to the airport like 17 hours early before every. And that's dom domestic flights, not international, <laughs> domestic flights. That's like that's how my mom. Is. You get there the day before. I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's my go. My mom is like, I'm like, mom, my flight's not till yeah. six. I'm, I'm like, I'm going to Arizona. Like, why am I here? Seventeen. I'm not gonna sit in the airport. Yeah, but I can't. I think lateness is rudeness. Like, no. If if you're on time, you're already late. Yeah, Be there exactly. early. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember think, I think like being yeah. on time is five minutes early. Yeah. I'm, I need to work on my, my timeliness, but I would say oh. mine is people chewing with their mouth oh. open. Like that hurts me. Oh, like hurts. yes. If I can hear it too, like I- The, ASF, the ASMR is <laughs> nobody asked for. I think, like, yeah. I think in general- Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in, in general for me- Oh, I thought it was just- Oh, it, that's my oh stop. <laughs> <laughs> just people. Just people. <laughs> just people in general. <laughs> okay. uh, Okay, so you know now that things yeah. are opening up slowly, uh, what is one movie coming out later this year that will make you go into the theater? Like you were like, oh, I have to see this. I don't is even know what's coming out. Going to see? Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> and that's a good answer. Even, I, mean, yeah, I don't even. Know. Yeah, no, I haven't even gotten to the place of thinking about being outside yet, so I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good answer. I mean, like mine is like anything Marvel because, of course, me it's me. Uh, so I'm like, uh, but what if like they play them? In the theater, would you no. <laughs> <laughs> like if they were like a little Marvin, we're gonna do a theatrical run of all episodes. My mom, my mama would go. September. I would not go. No. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Would you rather never be able to wear pants or never be able to wear shorts? I have so are you a never pants guy or worn a shorts. shorts. I am so no. Well, this Wait, is Christmas therapy, right? I was like the kid. I was like I was called Skeletor <laughs> in school because I was so skinny. 
Oh my god. Oh my god. And I had like Kids these little horrible. legs. Like my my thighs and my calves were like the same um size, which they shouldn't be. Your thighs, I think, should be bigger, but it was all just one little noodle. And I was always so scared of my legs, and that never left me. So I have never worn Yeah, I'm pants. Oh my gosh. Wait, so do you wear like what full about on, if full like on sweats? I swim in a sweatsuit, uh, just full on pants? No, I'm kidding. No, no. no. Oh my god! <laughs> I was like, no, no, kids can be very. You were one of those old yeah. tiny, tank top um, with the shorts. <laughs> yep. Kids can be very. Kids can be very. Like I remember, like whenever I used to wear braids in school, they used to call me Amanda Medusa. And so I like I stopped wearing braids. I kid you not. And this is gonna sound bad. I stopped wearing braids for like ten years because I was just so like traumatized by calling. But I, I, I'm, oh, I yes. wear them now. Now, but I just, I just would always remember people calling me Amanda. You imagine it doesn't leave you. That's like, terrible. I know. It doesn't. So cool. It's like yeah. a, I remember in elementary. I still get haunted by people chanting that. Remember the Dino Pebbles cereal? People yeah. chanted that to me. <laughs> kids are the worst. Kids yeah. Are yeah. Moral of the story yeah. is kids are the worst. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. I didn't tell my nephews that. I'm all you guys. Don't talk to me until you're 21. That's hilarious. <laughs> uh, okay, and this is our our, our final question. Uh, is there an underrepresented voice in the industry, whether it's an actor, writer, producer, or creator that is not mainstream that you think people need to know about or deserves more shine and recognition? <sighs> I, I honestly think she's probably mainstream, so she doesn't really need my Yelp. She doesn't need my Yelp review. But like, if I could, if I could call someone out only because I just worked with her and I had the joy of working with her, was Janik Sabravo, um, who direct. Is that okay? No, that's oh, okay. That so is, she, yeah, she directed episode five, <laughs> and she that was a very challenging episode. You haven't even gotten to that yet. It's a very challenging episode. And uh, I think there's a misconception wow. that when something's challenging, that it has to be like challenging on the set. And the fact is she was just like a light. She's hysterically funny, um, super prepared, makes everyone feel like a million bucks. So I would say Janixa. She definitely deserves more shine. I know like yeah. some people might- I think in our industry, yeah. yeah. But she's definitely, who, the, the, the lead that, I, I'm, her name is escaping me, Deborah something, oh. her lead. Um, Yes, love her. I'm so love glad her. I, I she's. I'm so glad she's in this starring role. I've I've been watching her over the years. I'm like this girl she's a needs superstar. to be front and center. She, so yes. Yeah. So shout out. Like, to, by the way, shout out to the whole cast. Yeah, shout out to the like, whole the cast because honestly, episodes, Ashley Shahadi, who is like Shahadi, is a superstar. Yeah. And little Melody. Shahadi, yes. yes. Yeah, love. This cast, cast like, yeah, let's just yeah. talk about this cast really briefly. It's like, what <laughs> you put Deborah through. You haven't even got, you haven't even watched, you've only watched three? I'm partial, I'm oh, partial no. to Deborah because she's- Oh no. <laughs> oh no. But that's a lot, she goes through a lot in the first three. And I'm like, we're only three oh, no. what else And don't you keep saying you did to her. I didn't <laughs> No, I, I'm, I shout yes. out to Deborah. She's Nigerian, so I'm yes. I'm, par I'm partial to go. her. But um, the whole cast is great. Everybody, them is on Amazon. Watch it, love it, let it sink in. Love it, um, little yeah, Marvin. Exactly. Spread the word. Yeah, thank yeah. you for coming on here. You're you're great. I can't wait to see uh, season two or yeah. Marvel. The Dino said Dino said that Marvel's calling, Marvel. so I'm waiting. Universal. 
Yeah, so I can't wait to see what what, what uh, project you get, what character you, you get. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know what you you should direct a because you know you're South Asian descent. Direct an episode of Miss Marvel, Mar. You know, <laughs> call little Marvin. <laughs> I got new managers out of this. <laughs> there you go. I know, right? There you go. Guys, it was so much fun. Thank you for having me. Thank you.